The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Ladies and gents, we made it to Friday once again, the end of week eight. The NBA season is rumbling along. A little short Thursday in the rear view. Fun one, though. Fun one. Short one, but a fun one. And a big weekend preview coming up here on the show, as well as, of course, all of the biggest names throughout the entire week. Foolishly, before coming on air, I didn't count them, so I'm attempting to do it while speaking. It's an old baseball broadcasters trick we got nine guys in the pickup department that emerged over the last three to four days we got four drops although one of them is actually sort of an umbrella five guys on the watch list nine no ten guys on the hold list and i created a brand new seven man streamer list the streamers part of the uh the weirdness at the moment although one of them looking back at it now doesn't really fit so we got that coming up over the uh, as we look back at the weekend review. We'll give you the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, what we're looking for from all 30 teams over the weekend, and that'll stretch us through into Monday where we can kind of connect the thread a little bit. This is Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Bespris, your gracious host. Thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody that's been dropping ratings and reviews on the podcast. You guys are the best. Please keep doing it if you haven't already. You can do it on iTunes, you can do it on the podcast app, on any Apple-branded mobile device, iPad, iPhone, iWhatever. I don't know if you can even do it on a watch. Hell, I don't, I don't have an Apple Watch, but maybe somebody does. Uh, that's where we need it. Those, those, are the ones that really, uh, those are the ones that really count long-term. So pull up that bad boy, search for Fantasy NBA Today. If you're on iTunes, there's a little rate and review tab. If you're on your phone... Click on the show title in the search results and then scroll down to the bottom, and that's when you can rate and review the pod. So big, fat thank you on that one. Uh, the numbers, they just they keep going up. The ratings and reviews keep going up, and that's how we continue to grow. That's how things change. That's how we can continue to add new listeners. I think we have like five or six new ratings over the last day, so you guys are the best. Those five-star reviews, they are the world. They mean the world to me. So uh, keep them coming. Keep them coming. We'll love you forever. Uh, might as well work through this thing in kind of a what happened most recently and then survey the scene and then head to the future. That'll be the direction we head. So quickly here, the Thursday card recap. Philadelphia went into Boston and beat them as a one-point underdog on the road. Joel Embiid, big one, 38 points, 13 rebounds, a couple of threes, six assists, and a block. He was very, very good. Tobias Harris continues his strong season. I know it's not... I think people may have misinterpreted some of my rankings at the start of the year. Tobias Harris is inside the top 40. This uh, line only pushes him a little bit higher, so he's in that 35 to 38 range, which is right where we wanted him. It's right where we wanted him, folks. And the beautiful part is that he is also unbelievably durable. He is inside the top 20 on a totals basis at this point right now. So he is actually exceeding all of our expectations inside the top 20 by totals. That's a beautiful thing right there. Uh, so, I mean, there isn't a whole lot from this ballgame on the Philly side. A couple things to note. One, Josh Richardson's minutes were up to 26 in this ballgame, and he looked really good. 14 points, uh, six cash counters, two threes, two steals, two blocks. He actually went uh, five deuces in this game. The great Vin Scully would have definitely said, the deuces are wild. That was a bad one. I got to clear my throat before I try to do a Vin Scully impersonation on air. So Richardson looked good. The other note is that Matisse Thibault took all of the backup wing minutes. And this is an interesting development. James Ennis was bad, to be fair. He played 18 minutes, but he was bad. Furkan Korkmaz was actually okay in his nine minutes, but it didn't translate to additional minutes. I don't know if this is the moment where things change for Thibault, where he goes from being a novelty sort of bit player on the side to actually seeing additional minutes. But he is he's only about 20% owned. He's coming off, uh, he had that big one two games before this one. But his minutes seem to be trending up, and the fact that he played almost 30 with Richardson on the floor was interesting. 
He's 100% owned in my competitive league, so everybody's just been squatting on him for the last month and a half anyway. But uh, I'm guessing your leagues are probably not quite so crazy, so this is probably the time to start sticking him on your bench and seeing what that translates into. On the Boston side, Ennis Cantor got 24 minutes, which is actually an interesting development because in 24 minutes, he has fantasy value. He has, throughout his career, it's been a pretty... Uh, cut and dry situation right now he's on the season sitting around 16 minutes a game which is not enough 16 minutes he's averaging seven and six but with him things really do move pretty linearly with how many minutes he's on the floor up up to a certain point uh but you can look at some of his games this year and he hasn't played in that many uh first game of the year he played 25 minutes against philadelphia not surprisingly dealing with the the big centers he had 12 and six Missed a bunch of free throws. That was a pretty weird one. Uh, he played 25 minutes against Washington, his second game back after injury, and had 13-9-2. and 25 minutes against Sacramento and had 13-9-2. and two. And then in this one, he played 24 minutes and had 29 and two steals and two blocks. But you, you most certainly cannot count on that. A couple of things to note on Ennis Cantor as we look at his numbers right now. He's shooting 57% from the field, which is about what you'd expect in a good offense. Guy cleaning things up around the rim. Free throw number is at 65. That will equilibrate. That'll get back into the high 70s where he's been basically every season of his entire career. Uh, and the the 5.8 rebounds, that's going to stay at 5.8 unless his minutes trend up from 16 into the low 20s. The, the way I would compare it is actually the 22 minutes he was seeing in Portland last year when he averaged almost 13 and 9. The percentages at the free throw line could have actually even been better for him. Uh, not going to get many steals and blocks. He never does. But if he gets into the 24-minute range, he's absolutely a player that should be on fantasy teams. He is not at all. I mean, he's somehow 41% owned, but not in competitive leagues where people haven't been able to hang on to the garbage. Uh, he's not starting, which is still a pisser. His minutes seem to be coming against particular competition or when he gets hot. So you can't rely on it yet, but there is something there. And that something is get him into the twenties in minutes and he'll get you over 10 points per game and he'll get you eight or nine rebounds. It's just, it, it, it's a one-to-one thing with him. I don't think you have to do anything in terms of pickups right now, but it is certainly something to keep an eye on. Gordon Hayward was good, despite getting his face blasted in that last ball game, 19-4-5, a steal block and a couple of three-pointers. Kemba Walker's been running hot. No Marcus Smart, so a little extra for the guards. Jalen Brown struggled in this one, and uh, Boston just didn't quite have enough to get over the hump. Bad loss at home. San Antonio looked like a team that hadn't played in a week. They, they were rusty. They were out of sorts and they lost in overtime to the Cavaliers of all teams. This almost looked like Kevin Love auditioning to get his butt out of Cleveland. He had 30 and 17. Colin Sexton was actually efficient for one ball game, but you're not buying into that. Jordan Clarkson was efficient for a ball game as well, and you're also not buying into that. Even Chetty Osman was decent. Chetty Osman. Uh, Larry Nance had the lowest usage rate of the night. Congratulations to Larry Nance. Played 29 minutes, took two shots, missed them both, had 11 rebounds and an assist. He's been taking a lot of heat, and this game certainly won't do anything to quell the heat that he's been taking, but he's hovering around the top 109 category formats, and I'm inclined to think that uh, he'll stay around that place. Plus, there's upside if anybody gets moved. So uh, I'm uh, I'm holding on there. Um, elsewhere... Tristan Thompson has been trending down hard. It looks like he sort of blew all of his energy the first month of the year. Um, I'm sure that he, like everybody, will go through some ups and downs, but he's now fallen outside the top 100. His free throw shooting has been particularly bad lately. So I'm in favor of putting him on your bench because at some point he'll sort of wake up and get hot again. Maybe there will be a, a roster move. Maybe he'll get traded. Maybe it'll have nothing to do with him. Maybe the Cavs... Maybe this game will just wake him up because the Cavs won, uh, but he looks like he's sort of low on gas. Maybe they'll just give him a game or two off, honestly. That would probably be helpful. So stick him on your bench. Uh, he'll obviously have a, a handful of those massive rebounding games coming up again, and, and you'll want to be ready when they come. The Spurs are just a mess, like straight top to bottom. DeMar DeRozan doesn't do enough. 
they they let him stop taking threes, and and so he's not shooting from outside. LaMarcus Aldridge looked super rusty, but at least he grabbed 10 rebounds in this game. Derek White actually played relatively well in a weird twist, played 32 point guard minutes. DeJounte Murray played the other 16. Um, I've, I'm dropping them. Well, mm, let's not get ahead of myself. I want to drop them both is a better way to phrase it. Tough to drop White after a decent game here. Tough to drop Murray because we know his upside is through the roof, but they have no floor spacing at all. So neither one of those guys, there's there's almost no chance they're going to play together. I don't know what, like, something's got to give, but apparently this wasn't it. Patty Mills was not good. Bryn Forbes was not good. All the guys they count on to try to space the floor a little bit were terrible. So why not just try these guys? Just see what happens. Nope. Nope. Still not going to do it, apparently. Uh, Derek White has been way too inconsistent. I know this is one decent ball game, and it was a good one. You know, 7 out of 9 shooting is solid. He, he had some a uh, couple rebounds, a steal, made his free throws. All that stuff was nice. Uh, next one, he could play 16 minutes and completely disappear. I, I think between he and Murray, Murray's the guy you want to be hanging on to because of his interesting fantasy game. But right now, I don't think you could start either of them in a games cap or, or really even a weekly format unless they're, you know, unless it's a four-game week or something. Because they've both been bad, and in an unlimited games format, I don't, I don't know how you justify playing them. They haven't been good enough. Jakob Pertl had four defensive stats, but obviously his minutes are going to trend down now with LaMarcus Aldridge back, and uh, they'll settle back into a little bit of a groove of some kind. Seth Curry displaced Tim Hardaway Jr., and this is why I've been calling THJ a streamer on the show recently, um, had a, a very friendly uh, Twitter interaction with one of the, our, our great followers, uh, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, uh, just about what, what Tim Hardaway Jr. is or can be. And, and my thought was really just that, number one, his steals rate was way above his career mark lately, so I figured that was coming down. And the inconsistencies are maddening. He had nine three-pointers in his last game. They had three days off, came back and dropped a goose egg effectively. Two points, five rebounds, no defensive stats. I can't, you know, as good as he's been lately, and and he's been really good, that nine three-pointer game is weighing in heavily. Here's the thing. Over the last two weeks, he's still averaging only three three three-pointers per game, which is a big number on 50% shooting. And he's made all of his free throws and 1.2 steals in that stretch. A lot of those numbers are unsustainable. The 50% shooting, unsustainable. The steals are unsustainable. The 3.23s is unsustainable. The only reason it's that high is because of the nine three-pointer game blended in. Around that, a 0, a 1, a 1, a 2, a 0. Then you go farther back and there's a 6. It's going to be all over the map. It's not that I don't like his game at all. I actually do. And for a while, I thought maybe he could step up and kind of be the third scorer on this team. But it looks like it's just going to be somebody getting handed the card once a night that says, it's you. Luca had an insane triple-double, but it was Seth Curry in this one. I had 30 points, 7 boards, 4 assists, and 2 steals. 6 three-pointers, hyper-efficient shooting game, and he'll probably come out and lay a total goose egg next time, too. Dwight Powell played 31 minutes at 9-10 and 10 with a steal and a block, but he has not done close to enough to get back on my radar. He's number 182 in nine category leagues and belongs on waiver wires. Detroit got effort from two guys. Andre Drummond at 23 and 15 with four defensive stats. Derek Rose at 19 and four with five three-pointers tonight and two steals. And he continues to be just good enough. Just barely. There are massive holes in his game as well, undoubtedly, but there are also areas where he excels. Assists, scoring, solid. He does it on a good field goal percent and a good free throw percent. You guys know how I like that. I love guys with good percentages. I particularly love it when they come out of a guard spot where you can get some assists out of the mix as well. I wish he was making a three-pointer more often, but you just sort of accept that with him. That's not part of his game. This is the exception and not the rule. Blake Griffin, man. Gross. Just totally gross. Like, he he had one of his best seasons last year. And in looking at the numbers, I kept thinking, there's just no way he gets better than this. But I had no idea it was going to get this much worse. Still, if you're a frequent listener to this podcast, you you heard a hundred times in the offseason, don't draft Blake Griffin. Whatever you do, just skip it 
So this shouldn't be your problem right now. And Luke Kennard, yeah, we told you to sell high three, four weeks ago. Hopefully you did that. Uh, Portland at Denver was the uh, late game on Thursday. The, this Jamal Murray played after dealing with his trunk contusion. Trunk contusion in that last ball game. So uh, whatever delusions we had of rolling Monte Morris out there, not to be. Not to be. Over on the Portland side, we uh, pretty much had our eye on two guys in particular, and uh, it was uh, kind of a mixed bag on that front. Carmelo was actually very good in this ballgame with 20-9, and nine, four defensive stats, extremely unusual, uh, two three-pointers, which we'll certainly take. He made his free throws. This is sort of good Carmelo, right? You balance that out with the ones that are uh, pretty beat up, and it averages out right now. He's number 120 in 9-cat. So we're in a weird spot with this dude because overall he's actually been useful, but there are a few things related to his game that that concern me a tiny bit. Number one, the 1.3 steals in 31 and a half minutes per game. He hasn't been close to that number in almost a decade. I mean, the last time he even averaged over one steal per game was six years ago when he played 39 minutes a game for the New York Knicks. So I don't I don't really see how the 1.3 steals hold up. Also, 40% from downtown. I suppose that's conceivable. He shot 40% from three uh, back in that same year, actually. We were just talking about 2013-2014. Uh, Maybe that holds. I'm willing to say... I'm willing to just accept that it does. Uh, his two-point field goal percent is actually incredibly low this season, which, for whatever that's worth, so maybe field goal percent could actually even trend up a tiny bit. Free throw number is about what you'd expect. The minutes, the opportunity, I don't see those changing a whole lot because, well, you know, frankly, they just they have no other options. And even if Yusuf Nurkic does come back in February, they're not going to play Nurk and Whiteside together for more than I would think a minute or two a ball game. So we're, we're talking about a long way down the line. I think the steals is really the thing you're looking at and thinking, can this possibly hold up? And if it doesn't, could we see enough positive movement in field goal percent to balance that out? The answer, if I had to guess, is probably not. So you likely see him hold somewhere in this territory or maybe even dial down just a tiny bit. But right now, he's sort of right on the fringe for nine category leagues. I do have him in a few spots. Uh, you know, I have him in a, in a punt three-pointers build team because he doesn't shoot from downtown all that often. Uh, but in a standard nine-cat league, I I had him and I dropped him because I just, I don't believe that he's going to get, I mean, he has 10 steals over his last four ball games. And what did he have his first, like, eight or nine games with the Blazers? Four, five steals? So there's something that needs to balance itself out um, he got a few of them yesterday, those little strip blocks on, you know, like Will Barton and Jeremy Grant and guys that he was able to kind of predict what they were about to do with the basketball. So it's not going to happen like that regularly. The 50% shooting last night was great, but that's not going to happen regularly. I still firmly believe he belongs on points leagues teams. And, and by the way, shout out to Tad Halley on our, uh, our hoop ball staff for putting out an article that, that basically covered this exact topic. Guys that are ranked right on the fringe of nine-category value are generally specialists. It's not usually, and, and there are, you know, with exception, everything is with exception. If you go into that, you know, uh, call it the 100 to 120 department, you know, just cruise over to your ranking right now. We'll look at them together. The guys between 100 and 120, some of them are good at a few things, like Jaron Jackson is, is number 100, and he's obviously trending up in a bunch of different stuff. But, like, J.J. Redick is 101. He's a three-point and scoring guy. And almost nothing, I mean, free throws, he's going to help you if he gets to the line enough. Uh, looking down the list a little bit further, Derek Rose, scoring, assists, and a little bit on the, the percentages. So these are guys, Kendrick Nunn, he's going to hurt you actually in a little bit in the field goal percent, but he's going to score a bunch. These are guys that have value in particular formats and particular teams. Chris Dunn is averaging two steals a game, and that was when he was only playing 22 minutes, so that number should, uh, not just the steals, but just the overall number should trend up a little bit with the higher minutes. 
Justin Holiday, more of a three-pointers and steals guy. Rui Hachimura, who's been playing much better lately, but more of a scoring and rebounding and sort of the the percentages. There are, as I was saying, a couple of exceptions. A guy like a Danny Green, who's sort of okay at like three or four or five different things and not horrible at the others. But most of these guys have their obvious upsides. Tristan Thompson, rebounding. We talked about J.J. Redick already. Uh, and then Mello points, rebounds, basically, at this point. So there's a usefulness to these guys. It's not that everybody outside the top 100 should immediately be dropped from your fantasy team, and it's not that there are guys that are just obvious upside plays that are floating around on the waiver wire. They're just they're not out there. So if you're on a team, and I think, you know, talking to the captain uh, for yesterday's show, I, th- I think we can almost hearken back to that discussion. If you're on a team where you're starting to see the ROI in a particular department, if you're say, I'm thinking about one of my own teams right now to create this this example for you guys. If you have a team that is, hypothetically, just dominating the crap out of the league in rebounds, but maybe your team is a little bit weak in, I don't know, three-pointers and steals, then you look at this crop of guys, the dudes that are floating around on the waiver wire in your league that are probably, frankly, ranked in that 100 to 130 range, and you look for someone like, uh, well, Mello will help you in scoring, not as much in three-pointers. Garrett Temple is a potential streamer because he's been hitting a bunch of threes and getting some steals. Justin Holiday, There is a usefulness to these guys that exceeds even, perhaps, if you look at some of the dudes ranked just in front of them. Uh, if you're dominating your league in rebounds, you probably don't need DeAndre Jordan on your team, even though he's number 98 right now. You probably can look at... Some of the other guys in that, in that territory, Larry Nance Jr. at 118. I like Larry Nance. He gets good steals. He gets good rebounds. His percentages are usually pretty good. But if you're crushing your league in rebounds, you probably would be better served to have a different specialist. It's almost impossible to have a 9-cat, 12-team league with... Anything more than 13 roster spots, I'm going to say 14, 15, 16, anything like that, it's almost impossible to have all of those guys ranked inside the top 100 for the season. Damn near impossible. So what you want to do is the guys that you have that are just teetering a little bit outside that territory, make sure they fit your team needs. Looping this all back to the discussion of the Blazers and the Nuggets game, uh, Kent Bazemore was the other guy we were watching, and I'm actually encouraged by this game, although I realize that for a lot of folks it's probably a reason to to cut bait quickly. He played 30 minutes, which to me is the only thing I care about. And I, I know that that sounds short-sighted and a little bit simplistic, uh, but we know this guy is a defensive stat magnet over his entire career. If, if... This somehow turns out to be the season where he just forgets how to get steals and block shots, then fine. You know, you can you can paint me gray or whatever made up expression I'm going to use today. It just doesn't seem feasible. You know, it's not like he's at the tail end of his career. He's born in 89, so he's only 30 right now. The difference between what a guy does at 29 and 30 is pretty minimal. A pretty nominal switch. So get him up to 30 minutes. Get him into that 10-point four-and-a-half rebound territory to assist. And the steals and blocks will come, and that's what's going to float his value and get him up and over that threshold. So I get it. You guys probably want to move along because this is not good. The last game was not great either. But 30 minutes for Bays is more than enough for him to get to that fantasy point. So try to hold on if you can. Skipped over one key thing on the Denver side, and as you guys are listening to the show, you're probably thinking, what the hell, man? Why didn't you... Well, yeah. Uh, Paul Millsap hurt his quad in this game. They they called it tightness. Uh, he ended up playing just 16 minutes. Jeremy Grant, 31 minutes. Obviously, if Millsap misses any time, then Jeremy Grant becomes a fantastic streamer. It didn't look like that bad of an injury, so you're probably staring down the barrel of a couple of games, but that would probably be uh, about it. Quick reminder here before we look at the week in review on the podcast. Uh, I mentioned it at the outset, obviously, you know, ratings and reviews and and uh, bruise letter stuff and contributors. That's really the big three 
at this point. I, I know that a lot of you guys are like, ah, you repeat, you repeat. Yeah, repetition is the key. I mean, if you, you know, if you're taking reading even the first article you find on the internet about marketing, it is so important to us that you guys drop these five-star reviews on the podcast. It's so important to us that you guys, if you want to get involved, shoot me a note. If you want to be a contributor here at HoopBall, uh, we're building out our team coverage team. As I was mentioning, shoot me a letter uh, at Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or send an email to teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. And of course, the bruise letter, last chance here over the weekend before the next volume drops on Monday. That is team, or excuse me, that is hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. I'll remind you again later in the show. Looking back at a week in review, we have so many names to go over. I'll do my best to move through them at a uh, reasonable clip. And then, of course, we'll profile the weekend, giving you what to watch for on all 30 teams. And that'll connect our thread through to the Monday Reverse Chronological Lightning Round show. Let's start in the pickups department. This is, and I know that you know many of you have listened to this show before, so it's not new to you. But if this is the first time listening to a Friday program, these are not necessarily guys that are going to be on your waiver wire. I tried to sort them in a way where it's it's generally fringy guys, and I'll explain myself as I work my way through. So, uh, the pickup list: Marcus Soul, who I put on this list, even though he probably wasn't dropped in your league. I, I think people showed uh, more patience than I would have with him. Has been trending up. He's seventy five percent owned, but a lot of that was on name value because the first month of the year. He was sitting around the top 200. He was killing you, putting him in the lineup. He's been a lot better lately. Uh, he's starting to get those defensive stats over the last couple weeks. He's been inside the top 70. So that's useful. Over the last month, he has been uh, around number 75 or 80 as well, while doing nothing still on the offensive side. So anything at all on that side of the basketball is enough to move the needle. And he's hitting a three, getting a steal, and getting a block per game. So you just sort of roll with it and hope something happens on the offensive side of the basketball. Just any anything at all. But he's a pickup if he was happened to be dropped in your league. Uh, I put P.J. Washington in the pickup list. He could have easily been on the hold list. He's been uh, really bouncing around a lot. He's number 98 right now. So he's one of the guys we've been talking about that's sitting sort of right on the cusp. But the injury to Marvin Williams has moved his minute count way up. He played 40 and 37 minutes in their last two ball games. He's looked better. There are still some glaring holes in his fantasy game. The steals and the blocks that were coming fast and furious to start the year have fizzled a little bit. He's, he's got a few blocks over this recent warmer stretch. But it seems like the minutes are there, and when the minutes are there, the other stuff tends to follow. So I think you can leave him on your team, and uh, I think you can probably start him as well and just understand that the, the good is sort of going to balance out with the bad, as with most guys uh, that aren't ranked inside the top five to ten players. You know, they all have these clunky games every once in a while. Kevin Herter is on my pickup list. I know overall he's ranked number 171, and I know that, you know, since coming back from this shoulder thing, it's been a little bit spotty. Uh, but as I said on uh, a few shows this week, the fact that he's now responsible for running some of the offense is a massive situation-changing development. I'm, I'm more than willing to admit when something changes, uh, I'm not going to just stick to a, a previous thought process, even if a guy's role is shifting. Herder's role previously was largely just to take some open threes. And, you know, sometimes they'd go in, sometimes they wouldn't. It made him sort of a difficult guy to count on. You know, it was a lot of, you know, 12.2 assist, 15.2 or 3 assist type of games. And those are fine, but without many defensive stats, also one of his weak points, there sort of wasn't enough to buoy his value. Now we're looking at a kind of a different scenario. The last three games for him, he has six, seven, and four assists. He's been handling point guard duties, ball handling, and sort of initiation. That's a big deal. 17 assists over three games. That's almost six a ball game. I don't think he's going to average six assists a game, but four and a half would be a huge change from what we'd expected coming into this season or just in general. He's averaging three and a half on the year largely because the, the most recent stretch has pulled his numbers up a little bit. Uh, as his minutes cap raises towards 28 or 30, and I think that's where they'll probably get him, especially with this, this ball handling role, uh, 
I think you see double-digit scoring, not by a ton. Uh, I'd, I'd be hunting for something like 11 to 13 points, somewhere in that range. Uh, if you can get me four and a half assists, good free throws, and two or more three-pointers a game, that's a guy that should probably end up in that 90 to 95 range, and that's a guy that should be on your fantasy team. I left Chris Dunn on the pickup chart. He also could have potentially been listed as a hold. I just, I love his defensive stats. You know, he's number 106 on the year entirely because of his ability to get steals at a rapid fire clip. He's a little bit of a specialist. No question about that. He would have played another four or five minutes if the last game against Atlanta wasn't a whopping blowout as well. Uh, But, you know, the only game where he struggled was Toronto with foul issues when he was actually... And he's been a starter now for seven games, I believe. In the non-foul issue games, he had 2-2-1, two, 4-3-0, two, and then four defensive stats. That's worth it all by itself. Anything on top of that is just gravy. And the Bulls have actually played better since he's been in the starting lineup. They've won three of those seven games, which is certainly more than they were doing without it. So keep him on your roster unless you are completely set in steals and have no need for them whatsoever. Uh, he is a guy that that should be on your fantasy team. In a, in a similar vein, Alfred Payton, uh, who I you know I don't know that there's this one has a lot of risk attached to it because the Knicks are uh, a mess. But in that last game against Golden State, he sort of did what he did at the beginning of the year and forced his way into more of a driver's seat position. He got 30 minutes. He put up a fantasy line that was almost useful. Uh, if he becomes the guy. We've seen the steals can be pretty high. He'll, you know, maybe like one three-pointer game. He's not going to shoot many from downtown. Uh, hopefully, he can get around 10 points, but there, there's a very real chance that in 30 minutes a game, he could average six assists or more. Uh, and a guy that's getting six assists, a bunch of steals, and hopefully not killing you in any department, let's keep the turnovers down, Alfred, uh, belongs on a team as well. I, again, there's not a, a ton of upside there. You're probably looking at another, you know, someone around 90 to 100 range, but there's a little bit of a specialist appeal too. He belongs on fantasy teams. He's, he's better than the other options out there. We got word this morning that Mo Wagner is going to be missing the game on Saturday, but I'm going to leave him on the pickup list. There's been frustration related to what you'd probably call slightly slower games than I think people were hoping he would just go ballistic in the starting lineup, but he's figuring things out. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. Turned an ankle. Uh, I imagine he'll miss, what, maybe a game or two, and then uh, we still have plenty of time, presumably with the Thomas Bryant stuff. Don't bail on Wagner. Don't move on that fast. Jan Mahimi is really just coming for the backup 18 to 20 minutes. If Wagner's playing 25 to 30, it's not he's not going to play 35 minutes. You know, he's not that he doesn't have that skill or that ability or that energy level. So hang on. Let's let's uh, let's exercise our patience here. I threw Rui Hachimura on that list as well. I'm sure he's owned in your league because he was owned even before he was putting up good fantasy numbers. This is one of those ones where. I mean, a lot of people just kind of lucked into uh, a really good opportunity for him. There was always the the belief and the probably the correct one that as the season moved along, they would just give him more to do because they're a terrible team. The Wizards are not good. They like to run a ton of offense and go crazy, and he's a rookie, and they're sort of throwing him into the fire. Uh, with the this opening of usage in the front court, it's come earlier than expected, so... Ride the wave, see what happens. Uh, he's been very good lately, and uh, see no reason for that to change until somebody comes back. I don't know why this dude isn't owned in every single league everywhere, but Duncan Robinson, I got to put on my pickup list. He's 40% owned in Yahoo leagues. Some of that is me. Uh, and he's been terrific. He's number 86 on the season. Over the last month, he's number 44. That's a month, guys. We're not talking about a very small sample size. Averaging almost four three-pointers a game, and you're like, yeah, he just had 10 in his last one. Yeah, that's true, but that also means that to average four, you almost have to have no mistakes in there. So if you look at his last month, there is a goose egg. There was a zero three-pointer game when they got completely whipped by the Philadelphia 76ers. But otherwise, 2-2-3-5-3-6-2-2-3, you can almost guarantee at least two three-pointers a game. He's getting about a steal because he's playing 30 minutes a night. And someone is consistently out on this team as well. Uh, Also of note, and this is a nine-cat thing, he's committing a half a turnover a game. So he's never going to hurt you there. 
He's a good foul shooter if he ever gets the free throw line, which isn't often. And he's just on the court long enough to get three and a half rebounds and, you know, one to one and a half assists per game. So that, that's not stuff you're counting on, but he's doing it on good percentages. That's the, the key point there. No idea why this dude isn't on every fantasy roster. And then Kendrick Nunn gets the nod right now while Goran Dragic and Justice Winslow are out. All of these guys had fallen out of fantasy usefulness when all four, Nunn, Harrow, Dragic, Winslow, were healthy. But with two of them out, I mean, even with one of them out, I think Nunn probably moves into that top 100 range. With two of them out, his opportunity is through the roof, like crazy high, and he's number 40 over the last week. So that, I mean, that's not going to hold, but... I think you guys get the general idea. A couple of names on the drop list. Every Spurs point guard. I'm done with it. I'm done with it. I know you guys are like, but, 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 yeah, that's fine. I mean, you can hang on if you want to, but it could legitimately be all year before you get any returns on that stuff. Serge Ibaka, I'm putting on my drop list. I think you can give him tonight to see how things go, but he's looked bad, and his minutes have been low. They far prefer Marc Gasol and then running a little bit of a smaller unit. So uh, if all he's getting is the backup center minutes, that sort of puts the nail in the coffin. Same issue for uh, Nemanja Bjelica in Sacramento. If all he's getting is the backup power forward minutes behind Marvin Bagley, he's a drop. And I threw Kelly Olynyk on this list as well because we're, we're seeing the same thing as usual. There's just no consistency. Every time it seems like he's close, he ends up not close. Uh, I'm out. I'm out. I'm not gonna. I'm not, I'm not gonna be fooled again. Like the who told me. The watch list. This is where things get a little bit more fun. I put Matisse Thybulle on the watch list. I know that he's probably owned in a lot of leagues uh, for reasons not entirely clear up to this point. Um, He had a couple of those games very early in the season, and I had people yelling at me that he was going to average four defensive stats a ball game. Uh, Anthony Davis is the guy that can do that. Uh, Thybulle could get three. He could, he could average three if he saw 30 minutes a night. That's, a, that's something that could happen. Um, but it's going to be hard to get there. The reason that I threw him on the watch list here, and you know he's still only 21% owned, so he should be available in a lot of your leagues, even if he's not in mine, is that Josh Richardson played 25 minutes yesterday. His minutes cap slowly moving up, and I think he'll, you know, he'll get up into the low 30s, so you're looking at another six or seven minutes for Rich. Uh, Thibault still got 30. So even if the other six from Richardson come from Matisse and he's sitting around 24 minutes per game, that's probably enough to get him into the fantasy value landscape. So I'll put him on the watch list right now. Uh, he's also, you could almost put him on the stash list and move from there. I put Ennis Cantor on the watch list. We already talked about him uh, a little bit in that Celtics result. Basically, if he's going to get over 20 minutes a game, he should be on a roster because he's a high percentage center who can get you points, rebounds, uh, no turnovers and good field goal percent, and and those guys are not readily available everywhere. Uh, he's very available in my fantasy leagues because he's been so awful to this point. But there's a there's a universe where this could be useful. Boston sadly doesn't play for a week. Basically, the next game is on the 18th, so we're not going to get any information on Cantor for a while yet. But when they come back, they've got Dallas. That should be a really tough matchup for him. Detroit, one where you'll probably see more of Ennis. Uh, Charlotte, maybe, I don't know. They've got Zeller and Bismack and then Toronto who runs Marcus Gasol out there. So you might see a stretch here of Ennis Cantor playing 20 some odd minutes and you might want to get out in front of it. I'm putting him on the watch list, uh, but I wouldn't be, it wouldn't be insane for you to think about throwing him at the end of your bench and, and maybe sitting him for a game. Seth Curry's on the watch list. I'm sure he's going to be on and off of rosters a bunch after going big, but you guys see how all that stuff goes, uh, with the Mavericks. You, you can put him as a streamer. I've got Tim Hardaway Jr. as a streamer as well. Uh, I'll just take him off the list of guys we need to talk about later in the show now. But that's just the thing with the Mavericks. There's no consistency there. So I wouldn't run these guys out every night. Ben McLemore is on the watch list. Uh, hopefully we'll learn more about him in their uh, Friday evening game. They're in Orlando tonight. They also play uh, at home against the Pistons on Saturday. So they, Houston's got a back-to-back here. He looks like a Duncan Robinson with poor percentages, which means it's going to be tough to get to that same lofty threshold, but he's been hitting so many three-pointers lately that you have to at least pay a little bit of attention to him. Um, I don't know what happens when Austin Rivers comes back. I don't know what happens when Eric Gordon comes back. This this is the deal with McLemore. 
that a guy like Robinson is not really looking at because we saw when everybody was healthy for Miami, Duncan was still playing 25 to 30 minutes a game and still getting his threes because Jimmy Butler was just getting him open. Uh, with McLemore, we have no idea what's going to happen to him when these two guys come back. So there's a little bit of a weird timestamp on this one, and that's why he's uh, a watch list guy for me. Derek Jones Jr. is on my watch list. I'm not picking him up after one better ball game, uh, but he's obviously a guy that can be a massive difference maker if he sees the minutes. I just I don't think I don't think he's going to see the minutes. So I, I think he'll probably get as far as the watch list for me, and probably no further. The hold list. This is generally guys that I think you folks are considering dropping for some reason, and I'm going to try to talk you out of it. Daniel House. Yeah, he's been a little bit huffing and puffing since coming back from his illness. I don't think he's 100% healthy, but I'm hoping he will be soon. Uh, the defensive stats have been low, and that's the, one of the big reasons that I'm, I'm thinking he's still working his way back. Don't bail on a dude that when he was healthy, he was sitting around the top 50. There's no reason to think he can't get back to that spot when he's right. Miles Turner, please don't drop Miles Turner. He's one of the best shot blockers in the NBA. I know he's a bit of a specialist right now because his percentages are low, but he's going to figure this thing out. He's not, I know the playing alongside Demonis Sabonis thing has been a, a hit because he's farther from the bucket, but going from 49% for a career to 42, that will level off. It will be okay. I know he's taking a lot of three-pointers, so it's there's a reason that things are coming down, but he's blocking a ton of shots. Uh, rebounds are going to be lower because of Sabonis, but things are going to level off. He's not going to get into that top 25 range like last year, but top 50 is a very easily a goal for someone who blocks shots the way that he does. So please don't abandon ship on that one. This was a harder one for me to give you, and that's Miles Bridges. Uh, he's number 151, but he has been better over the last month where he's number 125. So you're just hanging on and hoping that he doesn't kill you with his percentages. I don't even know that you have to start him right now, but he's not really hurting. I can't figure out where all the defensive stats went. Uh, he's not going to be the guy that folks expected, but you can hope, I think, for top 100 range stuff. Uh, so you probably can't really bail out on that. And he's playing so many damn minutes. Eventually something's going to give. I don't know why I had to put Jeff Teague in the hold list, but people were dropping him. His ownership uh, dropped down near 70% before he popped off last week, and then he popped off again. Everybody was like, oh, Jared Culver's taking his job. Yeah, I guess. Um, but coming off the bench, Teague can do whatever the hell he wants during his minutes on the floor. He's got so much freedom all of a sudden, and he's been going crazy for the last week. He's number 20 in 9-cat. He's not going to shoot 60% uh, forever, but... The, the increased scoring when he's leading the bench unit is a big deal. There is, this is what we talked about with Isaiah Thomas, too. There is an advantage to leading a unit where you don't have to sort of bow before guys that are better offensive players than you or think they're better offensive players than you. Just go out there, beat up on other second units as the clear leader of the pack. By the way, I put Jared Culver in the whole department as well, but he's really still a luxury stash. He's sitting outside the top 300 right now. Yeah, you heard that right. Uh, so until something shifts big time, uh, I, don't, I don't know that you can even put him in your lineup. He's hurting you too much. J.J. Redick is on the list as a three-point specialist. I think he'll be fine. Same deal with Josh Hart, more as a rebounding 3-and-D guard. I think he'll be okay as well. Uh, Nerlens Noel is on my hold list. We've had some questions about him since his minutes have been trending down with Stephen Adams getting healthier again. So instead of, you know, 21 to 24, he's playing more in that 17 to 21 range. Not as beautiful. I'll give you that. Uh, when he was playing 22, 23 minutes a game, he had top 50 upside. In the 17 to 21 range, he's more of like a top 90 upside guy. But his defensive stats are so pure, and he's uh, really worked hard on his free throw stroke. He's up around 80% this year. That may tail off a tiny bit. The field goal percent is going to stay really high. I just think he hovers in that 80 to 85 range all season. So you, you take the good with the bad. There are going to be some quiet nights when your minutes are not that high. I'll take him off of you if you don't want him. Isaiah Thomas, by the way, I should have I should have mentioned is actually on this hold list for the same reason. If he comes back, maybe they bring him off the bench. He was just starting to look good, actually, with the starters. Uh, injury's not great. I wouldn't start him his first game back, but I'm stashing there to see how it goes. And then Kent Bazemore, who we already talked about at some length uh, going over the Thursday results. 
couple of names in my streamer list to, uh, that really are seeing their roles either increased or just their their job fits the profile of someone you can have on and off your roster. Joe Ingles with Conley out, Garrett Temple with Levert and Kyrie Irving out, Justin Holiday because he'll come in, play 25 minutes, get some threes and steals, Norman Powell with Freddie Van Fleet hurt, although it sounds like he might be coming back this weekend. Uh, I threw Avica Zubats in there. His ranking sort of profiles as more of the streamer type. I think he's at 150 right now, uh, but he generally helps you. He's the rare guy ranked outside the top 150 that doesn't hurt you. He's just not that great in any one category. So you flip him in there, you get a little field goal, free throw, block, rebounding, bump, and then you peel him away. So use him for a back-to-back and then cast him off into the ocean. Uh, and Terrence Ross, because, you know, we sort of know what he's at. He could he could sort of plod his way inside the top 100 by the time the season's done by totals if he stays healthy, but he runs way too hot and cold. Uh, his field goal percent is crazy low. You know, he's threes uh, and free throw percent, and at this point you'd rather have one of these other guys that's frankly just taking more shots because Orlando plays slowly, and that's super annoying. Weekend in preview now, we'll go through all 30 teams' next ball game and get you set up for that. I know, this is uh, starting to turn into a, a bit of a load here. Uh, Houston is at Orlando. Obviously, we'll be keeping an eye on McLemore and Daniel House on the Houston side. Not really watching much for the Magic. New Orleans. Uh, Derek Favors is a game-time decision for tonight. They're still trying to work him back into game shape. Hopefully, he plays. They desperately need him against uh, Joel Embiid and the Sixers. Also for the Pelicans, we'll keep an eye on Redick and Josh Hart and basically all the people vying for minutes. Philly, we're watching Matisse Thibault and uh, Josh Richardson if he if he even plays in this game on the back-to-back. Indiana, keeping an eye on Miles Turner's game and uh, any of the the stream guys like a Justin Holiday I was mentioned, but otherwise there's, there's not a whole lot to worry about there. Kevin Herter with Atlanta now. He played in both halves of the back-to-back. That's a great sign. Minutes cap didn't go up in that back-to-back, but perhaps we'll see an extra two or three in this ball game. That would be a big deal. It'll get him to that point where I'm feeling more comfortable starting him. Charlotte, not much. P.J. Washington, Miles Bridges, you know, basically how are they doing? Chicago, Chris Dunn in the starting lineup is still interesting to me. Sadoransky remains an interesting guy. Markinen playing better is interesting to me. There's there's a lot of interesting stuff, but Dunn is really the one to focus on. Rajon Rondo, uh, expected to make his return for the Lakers. We'll see what that does now with Avery Bradley set to play 20 minutes. Alex Caruso solidifying himself in a, a fantastic bench role. I don't think there's going to be enough for any of those guys, but any of the three, Rondo has the best path to fantasy value just because he gets assists and can kind of run things a bit. Uh, when LeBron is off the floor. Miami, I think we know what to expect at this point based on who's in and who's out of the lineup. Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo are obviously your your star players on that team, but I'm I'm going to go ahead and say Duncan Robinson is a full-season rest-of-year value at this point. I, I, I don't... I don't know why I should adjust on that, and I don't, I don't think anybody else gets over the cut line with this team, provided guys do get healthy in the not-too-distant future. I would strongly consider playing Kendrick Nunn in this one if everybody's still out, uh, but I don't blame you if you're, you're just not that interested in, in the streaming stuff. Milwaukee, there's nothing. Memphis, there's also kind of nothing now that everybody's healthy again, although they're sitting a few guys for this ball game, so you've got a one-game stream window, which is frankly not enough in my estimation to really worry about it. Clippers, nothing. Wolves, Culver and Teague, Knicks, Alfred Payton, Mitchell Robinson, those are the really the key guys. Obviously, we want to see Julius Randle. Please just stop tanking our percentages for one night. Sacramento, this could be your last chance to, to try to buy on Rashawn Holmes if somebody has him and is worried his role is going to take a big hit. It'll take a little hit. Yeah, no question. Uh, but he's such a huge part of what they're doing with that team. Bielitsa probably done. Uh, we'll see how Marvin Bagley looks in his second game. This should be a pretty easy win for the Kings, but who the hell knows? They... Uh, like to play close ones. Warriors are at Utah. This could get ugly. Draymond Green sitting this one out after playing a, an overtime game, and that was apparently too much. Uh, nothing really to, to keep an eye on with that one. We'll see, I guess, if Eric Pascal has a half-decent ball game filling in. 
Spurs at Phoenix on Saturday. We turn our attention to the next games on the or the next date on the docket. Spurs will just, you know, keep watching the point guard spot. Phoenix, really curious how they're using Aaron Baines here. I think it feels like they're setting him up for the DeAndre Ayton return. Uh, that doesn't bode well for Dario Saric either. And we'll keep one eye on Mikhail Bridges, although that seems like it's just not going to happen this year. Brooklyn, not much. Garrett Temple, really, the stream is sort of the only thing to, to uh, have one part, half of one eye on. Toronto, kind of same deal if anybody's out. I, I am watching Serge Ibaka with Toronto, though, I, as I mentioned, he's on my drop list right now. This is kind of a last chance for him. Washington with no Wagner on Saturday means that you might actually see like 25 to 30 minutes of Yamahimi if he doesn't foul out first. They'll probably just go small and play a whole bunch of Davis Bertans and Rui Hachimura. I uh, don't think Isaiah Thomas is back for that ball game, but if he is, that would be something to keep an eye on as well. Memphis, again, not much. Already talked about them. Clippers, Chicago, Miami, we talked about them before. Dallas, all of the other guys, I, I don't think anybody's going to be consistent enough to stay on the right side of the ledger, but you never know, so that's why we always watch everything. Cleveland, terrible. Truly terrible. Uh, they Right now, they're actually been whittled down to two, one fantasy player, and that's Kevin Love lately. No one else on that team's been inside the top 100 lately. Uh, Tristan Thompson's free throws have been so bad, that's pushed him outside the top 100. Larry Nance has seen his role decrease for unknown reasons. The guards are not top 100 guys because of their issues, and then they're just not playing anybody else. Someday, perhaps, uh, but Cleveland might be the worst fantasy team in the NBA these days. Oklahoma City, they're a pretty uh, easy team to handicap. Same deal with Denver. You know, you're just watching Nikola Jokic to see if if a buy low window either closes or opens. Detroit, I think we got a pretty good feel for them. And we already talked about Houston. And I think that's actually all 30 teams. I think everybody plays either Friday or Saturday. Am I missing something? I don't think so. Yeah, Sunday is uh, Orlando, New Orleans, Charlotte, Indiana, Lakers, Hawks. Sixers, Nets, Knicks, Nuggets, Kings, and Warriors. Yeah, so that's everybody. So that's your weekend in preview. We'll obviously do a reverse chronological lightning round on Monday and tie it all back together. Folks, again, please rate and review the pod. Those five-star reviews, they mean the world to us. Bug me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Search for Dan from HoopBall if you can't find it with the spelling because I know the last name is not the uh, the greatest for audio-only uh, surfaces. Um, if you want to be a contributor, that's the way to get me. And if you don't have Twitter, send an email to teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, we are building out our team coverage unit now. The other spots are still available, by the way. Sales, uh, fantasy writing, fantasy podcasting, stuff like that. But if you want to cover a team, either as a podcaster or a writer, a beat writer, bug me. This is the time. This is what we're building out right now. It's recruitment season continues here at the Hoob. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. I am Dan Bespris. Big thanks to our guests this week, Brandon Marcus, the captain, Kurt Beach, and, of course, the great Scissor Day with Josh Millman. We'll talk to a lot of those guys again next week. I love these segments. I love not talking to myself a few days a week. Uh, Good luck with your teams this weekend. We will talk to you on Monday, everybody. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.